Hey guys, welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven. That's my lovely wife, Liberty. And we're a married couple with vastly different interests, trying to get the other one to come over to our side via the news in both books and sports. And today's episode is all about the conversion of her to sports fandom. Don't know how well that's going to work. Though I do like hockey, and I have since I met you, so... And there's definitely been a lot of hockey stuff going on. We can, I guess, just start in the news world there. We're officially in the first round of the playoffs. By the time this has actually come out, we'll probably be one or two teams down in the first round of the playoffs. Officially kicked out of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Possibly including my Blackhawks, who sadly played tonight as we're recording on Sunday, and they're already down three games to none, so yay! I was thinking last night, whenever the game was going on, that you might scrape out with a win after the way the second period went, but Flurry has a lot of playoff experience, so I'm not surprised. Yeah, the commentators in the sports world were definitely citing more along with the Blackhawks, like winning that game based on their performances. Mm-hmm. But as a Blackhawks fan and a hockey fan, I totally disagree. We had a great second period. We played okay in the first. wasn't great. And then in the third period, we had great passing, but nobody knew how to get the puck after well, the pass came to them. What was happening is that, first of all, number 88, the criminal that shall not be named, kept <laughs> dropping the puck or losing the puck as soon as he got it. And it's like, well, maybe don't pass to him anymore because yeah. he just gives up the puck. I I wouldn't say it was all his fault. It seemed like a lot of people were off their game when it came to receiving passes. He was probably the worst. I'll agree with that. But at the same time... Isn't he always the worst? Well, that's your personal opinion. Most people would disagree. (laughs) Um, You guys were also playing with this weird desperation in the third period that I completely understood, but it made your game fall apart. You just needed to be doing what you know how to do instead of being so desperate because the desperation was making you messy. Like, don't get me wrong, I know that we were down 2-1 to one coming into the last three minutes, but we had our goalie pulled. It was 6-on-5. We just needed to calm down, control the pace, and do what you would normally do on a power play, which is take the high-scoring opportunities and not just passing willy-nilly like they were at the end, it seemed. But you're not the only team down right now. You've got Arizona's losing to Colorado by one game at the moment. Calgary is leading Dallas also by one game. Vancouver is leading the Blues 2-0, to zero, so they're getting kind of close as well. Boston is leading Carolina 2-1. to one. Islanders are leading the Caps 2-0. to uh, zero. Can we stop right there on that game, or that series, I should say? Shocker? I, I'm, I'm not necessarily shocked because, and I know you are, but Barry Trotz, literally the coach that took them to the Stanley Cup and won for the Capitals, yeah. is now the head coach of the Islanders. Go figure he might know a thing or two about the literal team he had built for him on how to beat him. Go figure. I mean, I can agree with that. I just think that you're always working with a different team. Like, it doesn't matter year to year if you're keeping mostly the same players. Those small moves still make it a different team. Yeah, the Caps as a whole have kind of obviously kept that large core in place for a lot of years. They're kind of like the Penguins and the Blackhawks were for their championship runs, where the core seems to be the pretty much the same group of players over and over. So... Yeah, the team was pretty much built for Barry Trotz, and then he won the Stanley Cup, and they booted him to the curb and put another coach into place. And it just seems like the coaching quality is what's really affecting the differences here in that series so far. 
Maybe. I would be glad to see the Islanders take out the Caps. Yeah, it, it's not normally a team that you see making deep playoff runs, but it seems to be that year so far this year. Like, there's a lot of teams that are performing better than expected, you yeah. know, for the most part. Then we have Tampa Bay leading the Columbus Blue Jackets 2-1. to one. I would like Columbus to win out over Tampa Bay just because I think Tampa Bay could go really far, so I'd like that to get cut off at the pass. Yeah, and uh, Tampa Bay is notorious for being, like, the best team in the NHL, always coming into the playoffs in the more recent years, or at least one of the top three teams. And it would be nice to see the underdog get a nice victory over them. As well, Tortorella has kind of always been that grind-and-win type coach, and I always like to see those types of coaches win games. So, And then the last series is the... Um, Flyers versus the Canadians. And I really don't know what I want to happen here. It's tied 1-1 at the moment. I don't like the Flyers. I think they all need to go into a pit and die. And your anti-Canadian hockey teams in the playoffs. So I don't know what to do. We've been Canadian team free since 93 with the Stanley Cup. I'd like to keep that streak going. But I also <laughs> don't want the Flyers to make it very far. So I'm not sure what I want to happen. Yeah, it's definitely a, a tough boat for you to be on. I'm just hoping my team wins today and maybe wins later in the week and we could be maybe back in this series. It wouldn't be the first time the Blackhawks have come down from well, three games to none. So You would have to win the rest of the games. It would be it would be nice. I'd be happy with just one. I just it's, don't want to be shut out in the series at this point. It's statistically improbable that you're going to make it to the next round. Yeah, the stats definitely don't look good, but again, the Blackhawks have done it before, three games down and come back, so yeah. it wouldn't be the first time. But you also have this Vegas team that I think last night's game was the first game that they did less than four goals in the playoffs. Yeah, so it's it's definitely tough to hate against Vegas. They have two of my favorite goalies on their team. Yeah. As a Blackhawks fan, it hurts to see Leonard performing so well. But at the same time, I'm like, you were one of us recently and you deserve this. Well, I don't think your team ever should have made that trade, especially if you're not even going to start Subban. I haven't seen him play yet yeah. in the playoffs. He's been a pretty good bench warmer for the most part this season. Anybody could be. And so I think that was a mistake. And I think wasn't it done in a time before this whole mess started? So you didn't even think you were going to make it into the playoffs. Yeah, at that point, I think that was partially the reason the Leonard trade happened was just because we realized that we weren't really going to be getting into the playoffs at that point in time. And then COVID was like, guess what? The rules are all made up and the points don't matter. And you're in the playoffs in the 12th seed. So. Yeah. And now... What, this is your first time in three or four years being in the playoffs? And it's the first time in three years that we've been in the playoffs itself, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. It was exciting to beat Edmonton, I will be honest. But at the same time, I am very nervous about today's game. I think you got your hopes up with beating Edmonton because that was something no one really expected when that series started. And then you did. And then you're facing Vegas, who is a monster of a team right now. Yeah, so Vegas is well-versed in both offense and defense. Obviously, Edmonton was the number one offense in the NHL coming into the playoffs and uh, play-in series. Yeah. So it was exciting to see our defense hold up against that. They made a pretty solid point, though, last night, uh, the commentators in the NBC feed, referencing the fact that they have 20 players on their roster that currently are above average size. 11 out and, of 20. Yeah, 11 out of 20 players, sorry, that were above the average size of the NHL players currently. Not factoring in goalies. Correct. Of course. But I think 
the main problem you have going into this series with Vegas is that Vegas is both an offensive team, but also a defensive team. So like last night when we were talking about the game, I said it's like they're doing a full court press on you. Like I know that's not a hockey term, but they're using all of the ice as their place to just dominate versus just being focused on being in the Chicago zone scoring. They were saying, this is our ice, we're going to defend it, and you guys just sort of fell apart. Yeah, and that strategy in the years past when the Blackhawks were dominant in winning the Stanley Cup was, go figure, their strategy as well. You know, press on the defensive team so much that they never feel like they're going to escape. And that's kind of the feeling I think a lot of Blackhawks fans watching the game felt like. We did have some good breaks from time to time, but it seemed like a lot of the game we were in our own zone. Even with our puck possession, which is the worst part, I think. But as far as the news goes, Rask has decided to leave the team for the rest of the playoffs. His team's doing all right. So they're speculating that it's because of his child who was born recently. And the club says there's not a specific event that caused him to leave. So I'm guessing there's nothing like wrong with the child. It's just the fact that he'd rather be at home with his newborn than to be in the bubble playing for his team, which if his club's okay with it, then I don't see a problem. As well too, the coach and the GM both kind of reiterated almost an exact copy of a statement from one another, just obviously worded in their own ways, which was like, we're not surprised it was going to happen. It sounded like Tuca was probably having conversations with both of them for weeks leading up. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, well, this is finally it. The decision needs to be made. So, Well, he hasn't been the main starter for most of this stuff after the COVID, right? No, he started four of the five games. That's weird. So it was a little strange to see him leave. Obviously, Boston's been playing okay in the play-in, like the seeding games. They didn't win all their games. I believe they ended up in, like, what, the third or fourth seed or something like that, and they were the first seed coming in. But Yaroslav Halak has been probably one of the most dependable goalies in the NHL in, like, the late 90s and early 2000 era. So, like, he's been around the block for a long time. It's good to see him getting an opportunity to lead the team. It seemed like he was maybe just a tad bit rusty yesterday. He still played pretty lights out, 29 of 30 shots he saved. So, by no means was it an unimpressive start but at the same time he uh was clearly out of place for the one goal he gave up and I think that had a lot to do with like nerves and just lack of play time more so than anything according to what I read Rask still has a year left on his contract which is about seven million a year and then after that he can become an unrestricted free agent next season so I don't know what that's gonna end up meaning for his team the thing is, you got to look at it from the big picture for Tuca. He's been the staple for Boston for years and years. Well, I mean, he's 33 years old. Yeah. Like, you have to stop playing at some point. And his performance by no means was poor this year. Again, it was he was one of the candidates for the Vizina Trophy, which is the goalie of the year style trophy. So I don't see that being a complication in his play by any means or it affecting whether he's going to get the starting role again next year. Boston doesn't really have any goalies coming up through the system that are going to be able to replace him. So if they were going to make a move, Boston would have to go out and find a starting goalie. Halak is also by no means going to be a full-time starter shy of maybe this Stanley Cup run. So 
I don't know. We'll see. I think Rask doesn't have a lot of years left in the NHL. That's definitely the odd man out opinion currently from most people. But I, He's 33. I'm sorry. For the NHL, that's old. Yeah. I mean, you have players who are like close to 40 or in the early 40s. Like so Zidane Chara, who also plays for Boston. Right. So they're not so turned like, away from age, clearly. Obviously... You can play past your prime, but I'm just saying he's not going to be in his prime in the next couple of years. Speaking of Boston. They ruined a guy's knee. Zv- yeah. Svechnikov. Svechnikov. Yeah. That's how you say that one. Yep. He got injured in the Hurricanes loss to the Bruins in game three and was helped off the ice after tangling with Chara. Yep. They're assuming it's a knee injury, but because of the return to play plan, they're not allowed to disclose injuries or illnesses. So they're not really saying anything. They just said he was taken in for some imaging and it was probably his knee based off that video, which is disgusting. I don't want to watch. Like, yeah, I, I haven't seen the actual video, but the descriptions that have been used on all the articles I've read about it were, it's needless to say, pretty rough wording. So, yeah. Well, and then also in the video I saw on the NHL website, a ref in the corner also has some injury happen at the same time. And like, I don't know what the heck happened to that guy because I can't see anything. The puck never hit his face as far as I knew, but he was acting like he had been hit in the face with puck. Yeah, again, having not seen the video, I don't have commentary necessarily for that, but it does seem kind of weird that he would be injured at the same time completely somewhere else from where the play was happening. It was a real weird video, but it was a weird play, and I don't think that Chara did it on purpose, obviously, but it's just... If you have weak knees, you don't need to watch this because it'll make your knee hurt, I say from experience. And I think the worst part to come out of all this disaster and mess is a comment that came from the Boston Bruins commentator for the New England Sports Network, or NESN. Um, I did not hear this. So he tweeted out after the game related to this injury, what NBC hasn't shown yet regarding the unfortunate injury to Svechnikov. You messed me up when you were saying it all (laughs) weird. Uh, The Carolina wing playing hobby horse, riding Chara on the back apron of the goal. You poke the bear, you take your chances. No one wanted to see uh, Svechnikov hurt, but he bit off more than he could chew. Probably not the right thing to say about a player who was injured. For the most part, the NHL has kind of always had very good sportsmanship about things like these injuries happening. Um, You know, you usually get the players tapping the sticks out of respect on the side of the boards when they get up or... I don't see how he was poking the bear based off the video I saw. It just looked like regular hockey play, so I don't know what the hell they're talking about. And as we know, the Canes Twitter, whoever operates it, is just fantastic. They basically stated uh, about Jack Edwards' tweet that this one should have stayed in the draft, Jack. I think you made a mistake. Yeah. (laughs) And it's not the first time that Jack Edwards has made tweets like this before, and so I'm hoping the organization comes down on him in some way, shape, or form. Obviously, as an announcer for a local broadcasting agency, he is not going to be punished by the NHL. He can't be because, again, he's not an employee of the NHL mm-hmm. or a member of an actual organization. He's just part of the broadcast group. But he made a tweet in previous earlier this year, actually, for that matter, around a injury with Roman Polak. He was stretchered off the ice with a fractured sternum. 
in that game, Roman Polak. I know that he's not the most loved player. Matter of fact, matter a few games when he, we go see him play against the Penguins or the Blackhawks, I, you and I have both had foul words for the dirty play that sometimes Roman Polak brings to the ice. Yeah. But still, you don't make comments about players when they're literally being stretchered off the ice. His exact words were bad hockey karma coming to Roman Polak. And it's like, the dude was literally stretchered off the ice. Don't be a jerk. Yeah. No, I just, I have a problem with anyone who, whether they think the player deserves it or not, will say crap like this because it's like, they're still a human. And I know that everyone gets defensive of their teams and like, you don't want anything bad to happen to your team as a result of them accidentally hurting someone else. And I get being defensive and stuff like that. But at the same time, like the person who got injured is still a person. Yeah. And they're not in the type of place that you should be defending yourself. Yeah, it, it definitely seems just classless is the best way to describe it. And I'm hoping that NESN comes down with some form of punishment, whether it be suspension without pay for the remainder of the playoffs or some other punishment, like possibly even termination. I feel like it's almost worth that. You know, it's to a level of harassment that's, making a bad name for the the actual sporting and broadcasting agency itself. But also in the news this week, I try to stay away from these topics as much as possible, but it's kind of another repeat crime that needs to be brought to the table. The Kings mascot is being brought up on sexual harassment charges via a lawsuit against him, and it's not the first time it's happened. It happened earlier on with the same person. She actually quit and then was begged to come back to work and by somebody obviously other than him. It wasn't, you know, him approaching her. Somebody else within the organization had her come back to work and then it occurred a second time. But there's been instances where in the past he's done the same thing when he wasn't in the role of being the mascot or I believe he heads the office of like public relations or like office of something related like you would think someone who works in PR would know better. Yeah. And it's just, obviously the Kings are handling the situation correctly. They have fired him. They would have been handling it correctly if if they they would have done that the the first first time. time. I agree. I have a zero tolerance policy with sexual harassment. There's really not a lot of information other than the, the instances of accusations that have come to exist and the fact that he's been terminated from the King's organization. So we'll see what the investigation comes up to. It sounds like it's going to obviously find him guilty. The internal team investigations have found him in wrongdoing with the very first incident, not with this the woman that's bringing the accusations forward this time. But obviously, if he's a repeat offender, it should be an open and closed case. For the most part. I think people need to realize that we're now living in an era where this isn't okay and if you get called out on it you're just done. Right. And it should have happened with the first time there was an accusation made. I can't believe that he wasn't fired then but now he is and hopefully the organization takes a tighter stance on this because it's especially hard to be a woman in a role that is surrounded by mostly men. This is a boys club sport, basically. You do find that there are more and more women working in the staff, but it's still a boys club, and that needs to change. Boys can't just get away with boys will be boys, especially if they're grown men. Right. And then we had some firings this week, and I know you don't want to really talk about yours. Well, we'll go ahead. 
Did you want to start with yours or did you want to start? Okay. So the Penguins fired three of their assistant coaches, most of them being tenured players slash coaches for the organization. They've been a part of the team through the three championships that the team has had in the previous years. Um, Some of them being more infamous players like Mark Recchi, the Hall of Famer. You also had Sergei Gonchar, who for a long time was a Pittsburgh Penguin player as well. And then Jacques Martin, or Jacques Martin, depending on his pronunciation. I didn't get a chance to look that up. They were all terminated this year in response to the poor performance in the playoffs the previous two years by the Penguins. Yeah. Your GM basically came out and said that he was going to shake things up, and then the next day those three gentlemen lost their jobs. And um, I don't think that's the end of it. I, I really think that it's going to get a lot worse for any Penguins fan. And it makes me nervous. I think it's not just going to be people that help the team, people that coach the team. I think it's going to be players on the team. And that's horrifying, to be honest. Yeah, it's definitely scary when your GM in particular or my GM are the most notorious for just shaking things up, do things, because, yeah, it looks bad at the beginning. Unlike with your GM, at least things get better. (laughs) With Stan Bowman, it seems like he's firing and moving all the wrong pieces right now. So it's like I have hope that he has some beautiful vision, but with your GM, I know that there is a greener side to the pasture on the other side of the hill here. Yeah, but as a fan, you never want to see your favorites traded or moved or whatever. And, like, I've literally had dreams in off-seasons of players getting traded. And I'd wake up in the morning just scrolling through the news trying to figure out if it actually happened or not. Like, that's how dedicated I am to the people who are on my team. And it's so (laughs) scary when they're like, yeah, it's time to move some stuff. Like, it's bad enough in the normal times when they don't say things like that. Right. So it's absolutely horrifying. Also fired this week, the Florida Panthers part way with their GM, Dale Talon, uh, after 10 years of service. That's um, weird. Dale Talon, most notoriously known for uh, making the moves that allowed Stan Bowman to draft Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves before he left the Chicago organization. So the joke is Stan Bowman didn't, technically didn't build the team, but Dale Talon did, and then he was fired. Okay. So Dale Talon has been building that roster up in Florida for a number of years, and he finally gets a good coach to support him and in the way of Quinville, the ex-Blackhawks coach. And so it's kind of a bummer that he's let go, but he's also been there for 10 years, and as we know, the Florida Panthers have been pretty irrelevant during that period of time. Yeah. Also this week, we found out, uh, well, this was realistically on Monday, the day after we recorded last week, the outcome of the first pick, and your Penguins missed it, and they are moving all the way down to the 15th pick, and the Rangers will be in the first round pick. The I first just, pick of the... Yeah, the first, uh, first pick of the first round draft. Yeah. I don't think 15 is a bad spot. I really don't think so either. I think you definitely are still going to get an opportunity to get a piece that's going to help you guys grow in one way or another. It's just like, for me at least, seeing my team lose the way they are right now to, to the Golden Knights. I didn't expect us to win with like flying colors in this game or this series, especially after the Edmonton series where it was so offensive powered in both directions the entire game or through all the games. But... At this point, it's like, man, I wish we would have just lost so that we could have that first-round draft pick opportunity. But it, there's always that 12.5% chance that it goes to literally any other team. You had an 
87.5% chance that it was going to be any other team then but you, your team. Yeah. So it's not like it was a guaranteed thing. So, I mean, either way, you have a shot at the Stanley Cup. You have a shot at the first pick. It doesn't really matter. So the first 15 picks basically round off Rangers number one, Kings number two, Senators from a trade with the Sharks, the third pick, fourth pick for the Red Wings, fifth for the Senators in their own pick. That's the one that they actually had originally. The sixth pick is going to the Ducks, the seventh to the Devils, the eighth pick is going to the Sabres, the ninth to the Wild, the tenth to the Jets, the eleventh to the Predators, the twelfth to the Panthers, the thirteenth through the to the Canes from the Maple Leafs, the fourteenth to the Oilers, and the 15th to the Penguins. You guys did decide to hold on to your 15th pick as part of your Zucker trade with the Wild. So, so we have to give up the pick for the first round next year. For the 2021, you will be giving up your first round pick. Hopefully you guys perform better so you're not giving up like a top 10 pick. But. Yeah. There's also another health update for Canadians coach Julian. He had a heart problem after the game one loss to the Flyers and went to the hospital. It turned out that he needed a stent in his heart and he is not going to be returning to the bubble after this operation. He is going to stay home to try to recover, which is smart. As competitive as Claude Julian is as a head coach, I really believe that the Canadians are the ones, as an organization, told him to stay home. I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) Because he's always been one of the most aggressive cutthroat coaches that have existed in the NHL, and he loves to play and be involved in the games in any way, shape, or form. Either way, it's really stressful on your heart to be that pumped up and stressed out for a minimum an hour per game day. Honestly, probably more Longer, let's be honest, yeah. So someone with a new stint in their heart should not be coaching right now. So I think it's a smart move for him to be going home and just watching from his couch. I definitely can agree. I think it was the right decision, whether it was his or not. You don't want to see anybody having a heart attack on the bench again. We had that just a couple seasons ago, and that's enough for like a decade worth of times. The last bit of news I have, at least for the NHL, I don't know if you have anything after this, but the Hockey Hall of Fame induction was postponed to an unknown date. The board of directors will be sitting down on October 29th to make the decision as to when it will be postponed to. People are expecting sometime in the spring at this point because they want people to be able to be at the induction. The NHL has stated that they do not want people there, but again, it comes down to the board of directors, not necessarily the NHL itself. Well, speaking of things having to change due to the state of our society, thanks to lovely COVID, the MLB had more postponements thanks to more players getting sick or getting a positive test, at least. Yeah, so you're starting to see the breakdown of all the doubleheaders the Cardinals are going to have to play. They played one yesterday against the White Sox, sadly took a victory in both those games, which breaks my heart a little bit. But our offense hasn't been playing that well. We've definitely had some injuries this year. So what else is new with the White Sox campaign? But uh, this year or this week as well, we had a COVID test positive or a player test positive for COVID and for the Reds. So the two games of the Reds Pirates series of the three game series has been postponed. Um, They're going to try to play it on Monday just because both the teams have an off day on that day. Um, Well, right now the Reds are starting contract pricing to try to ferret out if there's going to be any more people testing positive. Right. And they think they can get that done before the game. That's 
bananas. I don't think that's possible. Well, what's crazy is in the world of testing for the major sporting events, they're able to get responses back in under 24 hours in most instances. But Whereas, I'm just saying you're not going to be able to say, who did you talk to? And then who did this person talk to? Right. And who th- I think it, trying to contract race in that time frame is impossible. Yeah. The Reds have become the third MLB team to have games called off because of player tested positive. So those numbers are just going up. Yeah, you had obviously the Marlins that started it all. Then you had the Cardinals who had a not as serious of a breakout as the Marlins, but still nonetheless had it spreading through their, their clubhouse. And now we have the Reds with their first positive tests. And hopefully that's all there is for their sake because the last thing they want to do is have to play all these doubleheaders just like everybody else. It's going to get messy. I mean, it seems like I'm correct in my prediction that the whole league's season is just going to fall down around their heads. It's not going to work, I think. This season's going to get called off before you get through all the games that need to be played. Yeah, the MLB still obviously has high hopes until we know how bad the Reds are going to be with the spread and whether or not they will be sharing some of their germs with the Pirates, who were also on the field with said player. Um, we're not really going to know. So, But the Cardinals president, John Molesliak, who knows if that's correct, he's saying that the team's COVID outbreak is due to them being in close quarters. And I just have to say, duh, like that's how it works. I don't know if he's trying to take the blame off players for doing things they're not supposed to be doing or something, but even if he's not, it's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, and they had a situation kind of like that happen in Cleveland. Obviously, nobody has had COVID positive tests in Cleveland currently, but two of their starting pitchers thought it was a great idea to leave the bubble of the hotel and in turn have been optioned down to AAA as punishment. What's crazy is they are two of the pitchers that are the best performing pitchers for that team currently. So it's Sounds hurting like them, but it's... they'll do real well down there. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it's, I think, a fair punishment due to the circumstances of COVID going around. It's like, why are you taking unnecessary risks when that's, like, stupid things? Like, it's no reason to really go out and do these things. They're so. idiots, is what it is. But most of the Miami Marlins who had coronavirus have been cleared to return to the field. They're actually going to be rehabbing at the Marlins Spring Training Site in Jupiter, Florida. Pretty cool place, sounds like anyways. (laughs) Sounds like it'd be real cool. Yeah. As well, to interesting, funny bit of news that I found this week uh, with the Boston Red Sox. So we'll just stay on the topic of Boston, it seems. The Red Sox used a catcher as a pitcher and a shortstop to play catcher while being blown out 16-5 to by the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. And I say Devil Rays because I'm old and old enough to remember that they were the Devil Rays before everybody got all butthurt about the word Devil being in their team name. And now they're the Tampa Bay Rays. It literally just rolled off my tongue. I didn't even mean to do it, so. In my notes, I literally don't have that, but have it, I guess. So why I, did they have to jumble everyone around? In they didn't. They're not supposed. They to didn't want to start using players out of the bullpen any longer because they realized they were going to lose no matter what. So they're like, let's let the pitchers rest, and we'll just play some position players in different positions. It happens from time to time in the major leagues. It's usually when they're just getting the pants beat off of them. Usually speaking, that's real weird. And then there are a bunch of injuries going on. Like I told you would happen however many weeks ago, the Washington Nationals player Steven Strasburg, the right-handed pitcher, is back on IL with the nerve issue in his hand. 
Yeah, the weird thing is they're calling it carpal tunnel. They're um, calling it carpal tunnel neuritis, so yeah. it's like an inflammation in the carpal tunnel. It's a 10-day IL right now, and I really think it's just going to continue. He shouldn't have come back, and he was seen trying to play the game with his hand acting funny because he was constantly shaking out his hand during the game. Yeah, it was the first inning. He pitched two-thirds, and then they pulled him out. Yeah. And his numbers were apparently atrocious. I don't know baseball numbers, but the website said it was atrocious. Yeah, they, they weren't pretty. The balls to strike pitch count was pretty heavily leaning towards one side. Then you have Detroit Tigers first baseman, I just have the last name, Crone. Cron has elected to undergo season-ending knee surgery after an injury last week. I have no information about any of the injuries, so I'm going to let you take this one away. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know anything about this person, except for he's a first baseman who is having knee surgery. And I think it's probably because his team's not doing well that he's like, you know what? You guys take this season. I'm going to go deal with my knee. Which team did you say you plays for? Tigers. Oh, yeah. They're not playing that well. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. The Tigers have not been playing that great, so it's probably not a bad decision. New York Yankees LeMahieu? Yep. Okay. He was pulled from a game on Saturday due to a sprained left thumb. And the thing that's annoying is he was still trying to play after whatever happened to his thumb. And then they finally had to say, no, you're playing like crab, get off the field. So yeah. like there's players thinking Tip- that they're more important, even if they're injured. Typical athlete, we're invincible, let's play. Nonsense. The Atlanta Braves have placed outfielder Acuna Jr. on a 10-day IL because of a lingering wrist soreness. So he's supposedly recovering from an injury or something, and he came back with his wrist still hurting. Not necessarily messed up, but it still hurt. Yeah, he's been struggling with a wrist injury from the spring training season um, before COVID shut everything down. But what's weird about it is they were able to backdate it because he didn't play in for like three days prior to them putting him on the IL. Yeah, so, so realistically he has got, to sit a week. Yeah, so I think that's really dumb, but players are going to do what they're going to do. They want to play even if they're injured, which is stupid. Your body has to survive longer than your career in sports, but whatever. And then the last MLB thing I have is the trade deadline is creeping up. It's August 31st, so we're going to be keeping an eye out for possible moves happening within the league. Yeah, you'll definitely see some teams that are uh, ready to be out of the season already to be fire-selling some of their better players, I would imagine. I think the season's going to end before people know it. Your prediction of COVID death to the major leagues, I don't know, is necessarily going to be the death of their season. As much as you want to say it as much. I think you're going to run out of time to play. (laughs) The way the postponements are happening, you're going to run out of time to play. Even if it goes down to like five innings per game and you have to play three a day. Whatever. I have uh, some other news, though, in the MLB. Some things that didn't sound like you got to necessarily. Some feats of performances. So you had Jarrett Cole winning his 20th straight regular season game. So obviously not counting the Astros' run in the playoffs. But he racked up number 20 in a row, which is definitely a feat that only about five or six other pitchers ever in the history of the game have done. So it's a pretty elite club that he joined this week. Speaking of your favorite Strasburg in the Washington Nationals, he was thrown out of the game while sitting in the bleachers for arguing with the umpires on balls and strikes on two pitches that were called balls that were at the edge of the zone and probably should have been strikes. But at the same time, it's like, dude, you're literally on the injured list. What are you doing arguing with umpires behind home plate? He's got an ego on him. 
Yeah. Speaking on some of the incidents of bench-clearing fights that have existed in the last couple weeks in the major leagues, Joe Kelly was able to appeal his suspension down to five games from eight games because, again, he was not necessarily the one that, I guess you could say he instigated it by making that lovely face of his and, like, making comments towards the batter, but he wasn't really involved in throwing any of the punches of the fights. He was more the punch. Instigator. The punchy. He was being punched. So they gave him three games less suspension for that. Also in the news this week, um, we have the World Baseball Classic. Uh, What's cool about that is it's kind of like the World Cup of baseball, go figure. But there's multiple teams from countries all around the world. They play games in different places around the world and then end up here in the United States playing the final usually. A couple years ago it was held at Petco Park and sadly I didn't get tickets to that, but I heard it was quite the experience, but they will be pushing it all the way back to the year 2023. It was supposed to take place next year in between, well, in between this year's season and next season. Okay. There will be 20 teams this year, which is up two from the previous years, normally 18 teams. So they're including two more countries, which is kind of cool. Yonder Alonso, poor man, has been traded more than most people would trade their trading cards, which is kind of rough to say. Do you think he keeps a jersey from each team? I don't know, but he started with the Padres about three years ago, and then he was traded to the White Sox. The White Sox, halfway through the season, traded him to Colorado last season, and then this season he started with the Braves, and he was traded back to the Padres for cash considerations. Not even a player, just for money. Yikes. So, um, he's That's hop- only technically four teams. Yeah, but four Five teams times. in two years is pretty quick. Yeah. And then Marcus Stroman opts out for the remainder of the season. Says for family reasons, he was rehabbing a torn calf muscle from the summer camp baseball games. So during the scrimmages and games, he had torn his calf muscle. But he's decided that for family reasons is the reason that he's going to take the remainder of the season off. It's probably a mix of both, we'll be honest, you know. Yeah. You obviously don't want to admit, as a competitive player, to an injury being the reason you're taking the remainder of the season off. But at the same time, it's like, okay, there are probably some underlying factors related to that. And then we have our blowout games of the week. The Blue Jays on Friday defeated the Tampa Bay Rays 12-4. to The Yankees defeated the Red Sox 10-3. to Again, that would be the 20th win for Jarrett Cole. He pitched seven innings, eight strikeouts, gave up only four hits, and one earned run. So quite the performance by Mr. Cole. Also for a cool pitching performance, we had the Reds defeating the Pirates 8-1. to Sonny Gray just continues to be on his high horse of quality pitching outings. He pitched six and two-thirds innings, had ten strikeouts, gave up five hits, and only one earned run. So the man is striking people out as they come up to the plate. Uh, one more good pitching outing this week was the Angels. They defeated the Athletics 6-0. to Dylan Bundy pitched seven innings with ten strikeouts, four hits, and not a single earned run given up. Any relation to Ted Bundy? No, but I knew that question was coming from you as soon as I typed in the name. (laughs) No relation to Ted Bundy. But that wraps up all the news I have in the MLB since you've already told me that's the end of yours. Where would you like to hop to next? We have the NBA, NFL, Champions League. NBA. All right. The playoffs officially start technically tomorrow. So after this comes out, it will be already started. And I thought it was weird because I pulled up the sheet that breaks down who's playing whom. And there's only eight teams that go into the playoffs for each conference? Yep. Is that normal? Yes. Okay. Maybe I just think it's weird because of the whole coronavirus thing. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it just doesn't sound quite right. But no, 100% right. 16 teams total. 
So for the seeding in the West, you have the LA Lakers for number one. Number two, you have the Clippers. Also from LA, originally from San Diego. And then in third, you have the Denver Nuggets, right? Yep, you got the Joker, Djokovic. In fourth place, you have the Houston Rockets. Yep, the Fear the Beard. Fifth, you have the Oklahoma City Thunder. In sixth place, you have the Utah Jazz. Seventh, you have the Dallas Mavericks. And eighth, you've got, I don't know who this person is. The... P-O-R. Portland Trailblazers. Why does it have P-O-R? Just for Portland? Yeah. Weird. So Portland, most notorious, they had to play a game in a playoff fashion as a single game knockout to get into that eighth spot. They had to beat the Memphis Grizzlies. And they did. And they did. Yeah, they had to beat John Morant. They were predominantly led by the fact that Damian Lillard had a 60, 50, and 40-point night for the last three games of the season. So he definitely played on another level in the last game against the Grizzlies. He had to, he dropped 31 points. So he's doing unbelievable things. I don't think they really stand a chance playing the Lakers because obviously the eight seed plays the one seed. Yeah. So it's going to be an ugly series. The one I'm like honestly... Like yours against Vegas. Yeah, like both. They really don't have too much of a chance. I do think Carmelo Anthony and Damian Lillard together have been playing very well. So I don't think they're going to get shut out. They're definitely going to take at least a couple games in the series. But the series I'm honestly looking forward to the most is the hatred that has grown between Oklahoma City and the Houston Rockets. They hate each other's guts. Oklahoma and Texas. No one here is surprised. Yeah, go figure, right? Westbrook should be back for this series. He might miss game one. He obviously is the ex-Oklahoma City Thunder player. And he plays for the Houston Rockets now. So I think that's going to be the most gritty, aggressive series. And it's going to be fun to watch. I need to tell my 84-year-old grandmother not to watch because her heart might not be able to take it. She will absolutely be watching as she's a diehard Oklahoma City fan. So, But in the East, we've got the Milwaukee Bucks in first Mm -hmm. seating. And second, you have... The Toronto Raptors. Yes, that's the one. Third, you have the Boston... Is it Celtics? Yes. Or the Celtics, depending on your personal preference of pronunciation. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And fourth, you have the Indiana Pacers. Which was actually a surprise this season. Last year, they played okay, but uh, to move all the way up to the fourth seed this year, kudos, man. They've definitely been putting in an effort, and they're the kind of team that built around a couple players and have really rallied around it, and everybody's playing really, really well right now for them. So they should be a good team. Yeah. In fifth, you have the... Miami Heat, is that right? Yep. And six, you have the Philadelphia... 76ers. That's what I thought. That, yeah. That's dumb. That's a dumb name. I would expect nothing less from Philadelphia. In <laughs> Your seventh, hate for Philadelphia continues <laughs> in seventh. In seventh, there's the Brooklyn Nets. Yes. Also dumb. In eighth, you have the or- Orlando team. Mm. Magic. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Not surprised. Disney is yeah. in Orlando. Okay. Go figure. Yeah. And all of that will have already started by the time this episode comes out. Right. So go sports. There's definitely some good series in there. I, again, I think the the one series I'm looking forward to the most is that OKC Houston one. I think it's going to be a very fun series to watch. I, obviously, being in Dallas, I hope the Mavericks do well because that makes my job go smoother in most instances. So... Go Mavericks? Go sports. Yeah. 
The Grizzlies' Ja Morant, is that how you say his name? Yeah. He said that he played the final four games with a broken right thumb, and he was wearing a support device on his wrist and thumb area, so I wouldn't be surprised if that's true. But considering they're not in the playoffs, this sounds like a bit of an excuse. Well, I wouldn't say it was an excuse. He still dropped 30 points average a night. So it's not like he was... Was not doing his job. Not doing well at what he was doing. Now, it's like, just when you lose and then you come out and say, well, I've been hurt, it sounds bad. But you know that that always happens every year after every major sporting event. You find out somebody's been playing with some sort of injury, so... And how would your team have done if someone else had taken your place? No one will ever know now. That's true. Because players are dumb and they play hurt. And now he's probably going to end up having to have surgery for a broken thumb versus which, just a cast. Which he'll clearly recover from. So, you know, this, the world of sports mm-hmm. medicine is a very magical place that doesn't exist for normal citizens of the United States. So yeah. he should be all right. <laughs> The New Orleans Pelicans, which I saw it abbreviated for this article, and it just said the No Pelicans, which was hilarious. (laughs) No more Pelicans. No Pelicans here. They have dismissed their head coach, Alvin Gentry, Yep. who had a year left on his contract. I'm glad you're covering the firings, because I have a few of them, too. I don't know if you have them all. That's the only firing I have. Perfect. Well. But I don't know why they fired him. Probably just because they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, the the Pelicans have been a pretty garbage team over the last few years, and in turn, it's kind of caught up to them. The Bulls also fired their coach yesterday. They fired Jim Boylan. Boylan's record for two seasons as head coach was a whopping 39-84 and win-loss record. So, well done. That's, that's definitely going to go down in the books as one of the worst coaches in Bulls history. So, kudos to you. That's what, a third versus two-thirds? Yeah, pretty pretty poor record. I don't know baseball. You don't or know basketball. It's definitely not <laughs> baseball, basketball, either of those. It's basketball, but yeah. yeah. Go sports. Uh, you know, obviously having a losing record like that in Chicago, in the land of the sports, you don't last long. So yeah. two seasons by Felicia. Also, you had the GM and assistant GM step down from their position in Sacramento. Kings uh, had their GM step down earlier in the week, and the very next day, their assistant GM was like, I'm out. So... Why? They didn't want to be a part of the organization anymore as well, too. They didn't really lead the team to be that successful over the last few seasons. So it was either be fired or quit, and I think they chose quit before being fired. So Hmm. that's pretty much all the firing and quitting I have in the NBA. I have a weird piece of news if you want to hear it. Sure, let's hear about it. So the FDA has issued an emergency authorization on Saturday allowing the public to use a saliva-based test for COVID developed at Yale but funded by the NBA and NBA Players Association. And the thing with this one is in all the COVID tests, whether it's the nasal swab or the Rutgers spit test, saliva test, it has to be able to separate out the RNA in order to do it, and you don't have enough equipment to be able to do it quickly or cheaply. But with this test, you don't have to separate out the RNA. So basically, it makes for a cheaper and faster COVID test. But it also makes it more unreliable, so you have to sort of decide where you want to stand on that. But they allowed an emergency authorization for the public to use it, It'll be cheaper to the public by hundreds of dollars, so I could see the public wanting to use it. 
I don't know. I think that's pretty neat that they're doing that, but it's also, like, you have to decide what you want to do because there's chances that you're going to end up with false negatives or false positives with this. Yeah, the fast turnaround tests, the quick tests of, in every variant, has been very tough when it comes to being trustworthy of whether it's an accurate positive or a false positive or a accurate negative or a false negative. So it's exciting that the NBA is funding the science behind it because obviously a lot of the sports organizations don't get into the science of that kind of stuff too often. Yeah. So as well, like the Hockey Hall of Fame inductions, the Basketball Hall of Fame inductions have also been delayed. They're expecting the ceremony currently to take place around May 13th or 15th of the year 2021. As well, for the playoff talk, it's the first time Greg Popovich has not led, or Papa as they call him in San Antonio, has not led the San Antonio Spurs to the playoffs since 1997. It was 22 straight seasons of qualifying for the playoffs. So it kind of reminds me of the Red Wings run for the longest time. So, you know, kudos to Popovich. It was definitely the longest run in the more modern era of the NBA. So it's pretty good for him, you know, long run. I'm sure they'll be back next year. It was just they didn't play well enough in the seeding games at the end of the playoff qualifying games for the NBA. So, And then another weird fun bit of news, Giannis from the Bucks went and headbutted somebody on the court this past week. I you don't actually have antlers on your head. You shouldn't be headbutting it. <laughs> I wouldn't quite say it's Zidane-esque, like where he ran right up to the player and headbutted him square in his chest. He definitely was pulling back as he made contact with the player that he headbutted, so it wasn't like that hard of a contact, but Okay, still, one brownie point for you. What the hell? Right, but still, it's just like, dude, headbutting somebody? He was thrown out of the game that it was in, obviously. Surprise, surprise. And then was suspended one additional game as a punishment for it. So Did he hit the person in their head or their chest, or where did his head It was head kind end of up? like in the range of like chin south to like shoulder range like around it was tough. the jugular area yeah, yeah but like he could have knocked that person out you yeah. realize that the lack of blood flow through your jugular he could have passed out it was a weird angle that the cameras all caught it from like there wasn't really a solid angle where it was like he clearly hit him here with his forehead and again because he was already pulling back as he made contact with him like it was and then the player kind of was there it, it was strange it it, he clearly headbutted him on purpose, but at the same time, it looked like his brain was trying to stop him while he was doing it. It was a very weird video. Um, at least his body's got some sort of natural reaction against headbutting. <laughs> right. That's so dumb. There were a couple blowout games this week, a total of five in the NBA for the qualifying games. You had the 76ers beating the Rockets 134-96. to That was probably the worst out of the bunch. Yeah. You had the Suns beating the Mavericks 128-102. to the Suns defeating the Thunder 128-101 to on Thursday and Monday, accordingly. What's really a bummer about the way it broke down for the Suns, they actually went 8-0 and in these games to try to make the playoffs, and they fell short by half a game to qualify. Yikes. So it's just like, they weren't expected to make it, and then they went and went 8-0 and against every single team in the West. Is it based on just overall points or is it based off it was based off of standings they were half a game back behind the grizzlies technically based on the regular season and these qualifying games oh, okay 
So they needed to have done better before they came in. Correct. If they had played better throughout the rest of the season, they probably would have been in the playoffs. Okay. Um, The Heat beat the Pacers 114-92, and the Thunder defeated the Wizards 121-103. So some big big scoring games, but a lot of points, as always, because it's the NBA and everybody gets points. The thing is, you know, some people will say that hockey is boring because you don't get that many goals, or soccer is boring because you don't get that many goals. I actually think that this is more boring because you're just scoring all the time. The lack of defense definitely has become apparent in the NBA over the last few years. The NBA has definitely protected more of the shooter-style players than they have the defensive-style players. Obviously... Injuries have been a cause of that in the past, so the NBA is not necessarily trying to like attack the players that are defensive-minded, but they, in a way, are because they're keeping them from being able to do their job. Yeah. Well, for the soccer world, I only have two pieces of news, one from Champions League and one from not the Champions League. Okay. And the Champions League news comes out of Barcelona, Surprise, surprise, they're set to sack their manager. They did sack their, their manager. They fired him. Setian. Not as of 9 o'clock last night. So Nope, I, this morning at oh, about okay. 7 a.m. And it comes after their Champions League loss to Bayern Munich. It was real ugly for them. And it was Barcelona's last chance to get any sort of hardware this season. And they obviously fell short. Yeah, he was sacked due to their poor performance, probably mostly in La Liga. Well, I have to say that's a final nail in the coffin when you lose 8-2. to two. Right, and it definitely didn't help that Vidal from Barcelona made the tweet that he made, which was commenting about how Barcelona is the real best team in the world right now. And that the scoreboard has something different to say. That Bayern Munich won't be playing some donkey, more or less, comparison of a Bundesliga team. Firstly, I take offense. The Bundesliga is growing to be a more quality league every single year. It's more yeah. competitive. So it's like, what are you talking about? He B, was just trying to hype himself up, if we're being honest. Yeah, like, he was trying to hype his team up. And Barcelona has always had a pretty good run in the Champions League. But it's going to be the first year that there will not be a single Spanish team in the final rounds of the Champions League. So, I mean... Say what you will about the Bundesliga, but... Seems like the Spanish League's kind of dropped the ball this year. Yeah. And not in a good way, because soccer balls. Yeah. The only other piece of soccer news I have is Arsenal announces the departure of their head of football, Raul Sanolehi? I have no idea, because I didn't read anything about this guy, so... That was all that I saw. They didn't even really have anything outside of just a headline. So, more people are leaving. Everyone's getting fired in the offseason. It's firing season, you know. I do have a little bit more news on Champions League. Obviously, Manchester City has the, if not the, the highest salary in the world of European soccer. And they were eliminated by Lyon, who has a third of their salary size. So we're also coming up on firing season for City. I would imagine something is coming, possibly. You don't spend that kind of money and then get outperformed by smaller they were outperformed by Liverpool all season this year they were outperformed clearly by Lyon Dembele is honestly been one of the more solid strikers in the leagues in Europe over the last few years 
He's playing for Lyon currently because he's kind of coming towards the end of his career. But he scored in the 79th and the 87th minute to basically put the nails in the coffin for Manchester City. Yeah. Uh, Lyon ended up beating them 3-1, to one, which nobody expected. So, yeah. Obviously, we covered Bayern Munich scoring eight goals. Technically, nine of the ten goals because they scored an own goal. David Alaba took a weird slice shot into his own net. The ball had quite a bit of English on it, so I'll give him some credit. I think he legitimately tried to clear the crossbar, but because it had the English on it, the ball went right over the top of uh, Manuel Neuer into the net. So I will say that if you score an own goal, it gets awarded to the other team, so I don't think it really counts as them scoring nine goals. But for the demoralizing factor of Barcelona, we'll just tack that on on there just to, you know, take another shot at them. Thomas Muller had a two-goal game night, also had two assists, so he had, in the hockey world, four points on the board. He scored both in the fourth and the 31st minute. Philip Coutinho also scored two goals in the game in the 85th and the 89th. Again, it was kind of like, we're not laying off the gas and we're going to bury you alive. Perisic scored in the 21st. You had Sergei Nabry score in the 27th. The goal by Joshua Kimmich came in the 63rd. And Lewandowski scored in the 82nd minute. The other two teams that were moving on to the next round are Red Bull Leipzig. Uh, they defeated Atletico Madrid 2-1, to knocking out the last of the Spanish teams in the Champions League. And you also had PSG defeat Atalantia 2-1. to That's what I have in the Champions League. We have the final four set. It's going to be Bayern Munich versus Lyon. And you're going to have Red Bull Leipzig versus PSG, which should both be very entertaining series. Yeah. I do have a little bit of news out of the MLS. You have the Portland Timbers winning the MLS's back tournament. They did clinch that victory after we recorded uh, last week, 2-1 to one over Orlando City FC. And then they're also doing an expansion like the NHL currently. St. Louis will be the newest expansion team starting next season. Uh, they have named themselves St. Louis City, all capital letters, City. It was important that they needed it to be so important that everybody needed to know City Soccer Club. It's the football team all over again. Yeah. Well, in the soccer world, it's pretty common here in the MLS to have weird names like that. And honestly, kind of the same thing in the Premier League, obviously. You have Newcastle United, Manchester United. So really, the city name is kind of the important part of what's going on in the soccer world. But I thought it was weird that they had to have City in capital letters as the important part of their name. I thought that was the stupidest thing, but... I do have some NFL news. I don't know if you have anything in the NFL. It's pretty short. There wasn't much really going on. It seemed like it was the opposite of what the other sports are doing, which is firing. They did some contract extending uh, this week in the NFL. The Packers extended Kenny Clark to a, an additional four-year, $70 million extension with $20 million guaranteed. So uh, whether he makes it to that contract or not, he's going to pocket $20 million of that $70 million right off the bat. Wow. So the Bills also extended Dion Dawkins four years. Did they have to spend a lot of bills? Yeah, they did. Mm. Actually, a lot of bills. 60 million of them, to be exact, for four years. Wow. He was guaranteed 29 million in his contract. The Chiefs signed their all pro tight end, Travis Kelsey, to a four year extension worth 57.25 million. He has a guarantee of 32 million, I believe, was the number for him. So uh, more than half of his money is coming to him right off the bat. So. Payday. Don't uh, you wish regular jobs were like that? Right. Hey, you know what? I'll work for you for the next four years, and I will continue to perform, hopefully, at that level. I'd like half of my salary now. <laughs> it would be nice. The 49ers also signed George Kittle to a five-year extension worth $75 million. 
he obviously has the biggest payday, but the longest contract as well. It seems like everybody else is getting four years. He got five. There's a little bit of weird news coming out of Washington football team that you were speaking about earlier. Yeah. The minority partners are pressuring the owner, Dan Snyder, to sell the Washington football team. They basically mark up about 40% of the ownership. He currently owns 60% of the organization, so obviously he has final say whether they're going to sell or not. That really sucks for the other people. Yeah. They obviously can sell off their percentages to other people if they want to, but who really wants to be a part of that organization right now? It's a mess. That's probably why the guy's not trying to sell. The NFL continues daily testing for COVID-19 until September 5th. So they are enforcing currently daily testing, which is a somewhat positive motion for the NFL. Yeah, but I think it's going to be like the MLB where things just start falling down around everyone's heads. And then the other bit of last news I have, I think for all the sports stuff, really. Um, I've got more news when you're done. So we'll let you take over after this. The NFL is still hopeful that come February, they will still be able to host the Super Bowl with fans. In what matter of number, nobody knows. The NFL just like, we'd like to have fans involved in the Super Bowl. Well, then tell everyone in the USA to start wearing their effing masks. If you want that by February, that's the push you need to make. We're getting still way too many people getting sick and being stubborn words I'm not allowed to say. (laughs) Because we are a family-friendly podcast. (laughs) Sure we are. So for me, the last piece of news I have comes from the CrossFit Games announcing when they're going to actually happen this year. It's been postponed due to COVID, but it's also been postponed due to all of the CEO nonsense that's happened. So are they going to quarantine athletes for 10 days before the event? Well, I don't think so. They haven't said anything like that. They're slated to take place both September 18th and October 19th through the 25th of 2020. And this is because they're now doing online and in-person formats. So the 60 athletes are competing from 16 countries to earn one of 10 slots at the in-person California finals for Fittest on Earth. Basically, five men and five women are going to be coming there in California to play it out for the final five spots in each gender. I'm not bothered by that format. I think that's more exciting, only having five people. That's been the one problem I've always had with CrossFit. It's like, we invited 80 million people to compete. So Well, they normally invite 60 athletes, 30 men, 30 women. And this year's roster of 30 men and 30 women from the 16 countries are ones who were invited to the 2020 games, but now they're going to be competing at home or in their local gyms. They're basically going to be recorded and also the events are all going to be streamed for the fans, but also every athlete is going to be judged in person by an experienced member of the CrossFit staff. I was going to say, it definitely has to have one of their like representatives that right. knows the standards and all that stuff to the make sure it's right. standards, yeah. but yeah. And so the first stage is going to determine final placement and prize money for the winners from 6th through 30th. And then again, the top five men and women are going to be invited to Northern California. And it says under safety protocols. I don't know if that means that they're going to have to quarantine or what's going to happen. I assume so because they're going to be traveling from other countries, especially Iceland probably because most. I think what's realistically going to happen is when they leave America, they're going to have to quarantine for a longer period of time when they come back to their home countries. But I agree they're going to have to quarantine them, whether they put them up in a hotel like the other sports teams are doing. 
I think that's really the only way around it. And well, then spacing out the racing lines six feet apart from one another. Like, Well, I don't think they're actually going to have to leave America and go to their home country. It's one of those things where, like, I know Tia Claire Toomey is staying somewhere in Tennessee as her, like, home base. And has been for years. So she's in the U.S. legally through paperwork and all that crap. And she basically is just going to do it there. Which makes so sense. So she doesn't have to travel back to Australia and then quarantine and then compete and then have to come back. She just does it there. And there are girls from Iceland that I follow that are also doing the same thing in America. So it's basically whoever you are currently at is your base. And that's where you're going to be competing from to try to earn one of the top five spots. Just to clarify, when I meant going home, I meant after all the game finals are done and oh, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. So the joke was they're going to have to quarantine for longer when they leave the States. Yeah, because we're a hot spot. Yeah. But the dates are technically still being worked out with the athletes. They know the first stage is in September around the 18th, and then the in-person finals are four to five weeks later. So I don't know if that's because they're building in time for people to quarantine, travel in quarantine. Or if that's just how they were always going to do it. I would imagine it has a little bit of both information-wise. Like, it's probably, they were already planning that general, like, schedule. And then at the same time, they're like, oh, it works out. We can quarantine people a little bit. Yeah, so it's going to be a lot smaller whenever we get to the actual, like, finals for the games. It's a weird format. I don't know how I feel about it. I've been watching the CrossFit games since, like, 2017, but... I normally like that there are a lot of athletes, so it's going to be kind of weird. Yeah, it's definitely going to be strange. I know that I usually watch like highlights of the day. I never really get to watch the entire thing because yeah. they compete during the day, which I work in usually. So. Well, and it's usually an all-day thing from event to event. So Right. But that's all the news I have. Well, that's everything we have here, guys, for you today, it seems like. So we appreciate you giving us a listen today. And Make sure you check out all of the social media that will be linked in the show notes. And we'll catch you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.